Help you boys? You got any uh, white bread? Yes. I'll have some toasted white bread, please. You want butter or jam on that toast, honey? No, ma'am. Dry. Got any fried chicken? Best damn chicken in the state. Bring me four fried chickens and a Coke. You want chicken wings or chicken legs? Four fried chickens and a Coke. And some dry white toast, please. You all want anything to drink with that? No, ma'am. A Coke. Be up in a minute. We got two honkies out there dressed like Hasidic diamond merchants. Say what? They look like they're from the CIA or something. What they want to eat? The tall one wants white bread, toast, dry, with nothing on it. Elwood. And the other one wants four whole fried chickens and a Coke. And Jake shit the blues brother. Welcome to Generation Lost, the show about movies featuring Bryn and also Jeremy. That's right. It's the show about movies that we do uh, once a month. (laughs) (laughs) It is the it is the uh, quad monthly show Generation Mm -hmm. Lost about movies. (laughs) Yeah, it really does feel like recording today. I'm just like, I know it's only been like two weeks, but it feels like it has been ages. Yeah. I feel like I, I feel like I've been I feel like we haven't done this for a long long time because we've uh, been we've been remote for a while now so it already feels like once we are done doing it that we didn't do it so it yeah, really feels like I it's been like a month since there. yeah <laughs> oh yeah well I feel great now and I just talked to my doctor and she says I'm have another three months of uh, not getting it so. Um, that's what they said last time, and you've gotten it like three different times. Twice. <laughs> it's very normal to have what happened. What happened? <laughs> it's very normal. Everybody thought Delta would give you Omicron protection, and that didn't happen. So now it's not normal. It's not normal it's unless fine. you're the president of Brazil. <laughs> I'm old and I'm dying every day. Uh, no, but I'm fine now. I feel okay, um, and uh, yeah, but I mean, I, I'm still a danger to you. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I fully believe that you can, uh, you can probably, I could probably spread it, even though I don't have, don't have it. Yeah, right. Like, is that? I don't still know how thing? it works anymore. I thought that that was not true, and then maybe now it is. I don't know. It I don't seems know. <laughs> extra, extra contagious now. So, like, I could have COVID flying off of me mm-hmm. at all moments, like pig pen. But then at the <laughs> same time, I just, like, I don't know what to think anymore because I was around you when you had it for real yeah. <laughs> the first time. Like, like I was sniffling. You were sniffling. We were in the same room, mere feet from each other, laughing loudly in each other's faces. Yeah. And I <laughs> no didn't mask. get it. And uh-huh. then my brother, brother was here for three days straight, hanging out, close contact with all of us. None of us got it. So I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe it's like some Truman Show shit. And <laughs> yeah. you guys all you're have been maybe, faking it all this time. Or maybe you're just like, your family just has some sort of like weird immune. You should you should offer your bodies for to science yeah. to be studied. 
not in death, but now. <laughs> <laughs> just go be like, hey, I can't get COVID. I can't get COVID. It just can't happen. <laughs> <laughs> figure it out. Why synthesize my genome or whatever? <laughs> Crunchitize me, Captain. <laughs> <laughs> shrink me down baby <laughs> uh yeah so besides covid uh you've had two weeks to watch something what have you been watching this week uh so i have been watching the new season of the uh hit tv show uh, across multiple platforms now uh search party uh, yes, you've you've uh, you've talked about this before. I have, yeah. So, Search Party is a TV series that began its life on Lifetime, I believe, or some weird channel that it shouldn't have been on, right? And then it got canceled, and then it got picked up by HBO to be an HBO Max exclusive streaming uh, show. And apparently, it only got picked up initially because they already had two seasons done and like filmed and in the can. It was TBS uh, for two seasons. Okay. Uh, Oh, so it is an HBO show. So now now it's an HBO show. Yeah. Um, So it got picked up by them. They bought it because it already had two seasons done. So it was like a really cheap deal for them to just like, and it was good for everybody, right? Because the search party people are like, this will never get seen otherwise. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) TBS doesn't care about us. Yeah. So, um, so it's so it's the story of um, Dory, who's played by the girl from Arrested Development, and she uh, at the beginning Ali of the show. Shawcott. Um, yeah, at the beginning of the show, she's uh, looking for a missing girl who she went to college with, uh, and it's like kind of like a fun noir sort of mystery thing of trying to find this girl. And then at the end of that season, uh, she accidentally murders a guy. So then uh, the <laughs> well, second so in, season, like self defense. You should watch the show. I really, really can't <laughs> recommend enough watching this show. It's really worth it. Okay. Um, so the second season is all about them trying to like hide from the fact that she murdered a guy. Uh, and then it's all like intrigue around like who knows who's found out, like running from the cops, trying to like hide the fact that they did it. Uh, you know, and it's all based around that. And then at the end of that season, she intentionally murders somebody. Oh my God! Uh, She's to cover a murderer. up the initial murder, so then the third season is all about her on trial for the murder of that. Oh, person. she gets caught. Yeah, uh, she's on trial for the murder of that person. Uh, okay, or no, of the first person. She's on trial for the murder of the first person. Nobody ever finds out about the second person. Oh, so it didn't work. So then, at the end of that season, she gets off. She like, she manages to like <laughs> convince the jury. Like she does a really good job of like playing like you know scared white girl who just wants to go home and they let her off so she gets to go home and then in the fourth season she gets kidnapped by like a weird stalker who's obsessed with her and he like psychologically tortures her for the whole season yeah and then at the end of that (laughs) season she dies in a house fire but then like just at the last last second she like gasps and wakes up right so that's what leaves us now at the fifth season the final season um we are with her at a um insane asylum where she's like convinced herself that her near death experience has caused her to like she like contacted the other side essentially and she's like become enlightened 
and she becomes this sort of like <laughs> hippie, crunchy sort of character. That's this season? That's this season, the newest uh, final season, yeah. Uh, so it's all about her trying to like help everybody else reach enlightenment like she did. Um, uh-huh. And by almost dying. By almost dying. By being, she says she was legally dead for like 16 seconds or something like that. Okay. Um, and at the risk of spoiling literally anything about this season, because it's so fucking bananas, how, <laughs> like, so what I've said about this show in the past is that it's a really great single season show, and it was really surprising to me that they ever wanted to make more of it, right? Right, because, I mean, why is it even called Search Party at this point? Right, exactly. So <laughs> it's a great single season story that they then kind of make the only logical choice to extend the life of it, which is to just spend the rest of their time just punishing everybody on the show for what they did. (laughs) Yeah. And um, this season, I think, like, kind of is the only logical way to end this story, which is they end the world. Uh, so basically what <laughs> like the show morphs from being like this you know neo-noir at the beginning to being sort of like a court drama to then being like a psychological thriller to now being like a straight up like apocalyptic body horror okay where again I'm I, I really don't want to spoil too much but basically like dory with her like newly enlightened status and her general charisma that she's had for the whole series manages to like basically start a cult that is like (laughs) full of uh like various social media influencers who like disfigure themselves in her honor and like and and to like show their commitment to her enlightenment strategy for society they like disfigure themselves and like do all sorts of different tasks and they're like trying to invent a pill that will basically kill you and then wake you back up (laughs) 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 and they do make that pill but then that pill accidentally causes people to become like the undead What the fuck? And so they like. Now turn, these are definitely spoilers. They yeah, they turn people into the undead sort of, and and but like the undead are like these like disgusting rotting things that like that want to eat you and and so it's like zombies, but also a little bit body horror-y, but also like I don't like like sort of folk horror because it's like a yeah. cult thing too. It rules it's so (laughs) cuckoo man it's just such a crazy show and it's one of the rare like comedic responses to covid that i've seen that like actually is really good and like actually stupid and pretty on point uh because it is stupid and weird and absurd but in the ways that it is in real life and like there's this one moment like right at the end or right near the end that I think sums it up so perfectly kind of like where we're at now as a society mm-hmm. where like the the zombie apocalypse thing has happened and like all the like society has like been cut down to like 10% like it's what? you know <laughs> it's yeah, just yeah. like overgrown fucked up like you know dystopian brooklyn where there's like safe zones that the military is like guarding from the undead (laughs) and John early, who's like the sassy gay character. They're like in a shelter together with like all these other people in like a, in a basement somewhere in Brooklyn. And like, there's this woman who sees him and she's like, 
Elliot? And he's like, oh my God, I haven't seen you in so long. And they like have this whole little like back and forth and whatever. And they're like, can you believe it? It's like the fucking end of the world. This is crazy. This is so crazy. We should totally get coffee sometime. We should totally do it. And then like, he's like, all right, well, you know, we'll catch up later. And then he like turns to his friends. He's like, ugh. <laughs> And it's such a perfect representation of this feeling right now of being in this sort of like, you know, fairly like uh, not apocalyptic, but like, you know, pretty major. Like this would be a pretty major plot. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. What's happening with us now. And then like it does feel so crazy to be going through something that you can like already imagine the history of. mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I'm sure it's funny because it's like if you went through World War Two at the time you know, you wouldn't be so like brain addled by media that yeah. you'd be able to imagine the hagiography of America. You wouldn't be able to like put all those pieces together. But I feel like we're living through a time where it just feels like parts of the show are happening. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's just like, oh yeah, eventually this is how they'll say it in the, you know, yeah during the COVID times or whatever. But it's, it, it's it's this feeling of like, you know, going through nine eleven every day. Yeah. And all the time. And and instead of like what you imagined the feeling of going through nine eleven every day being like, which is like a constant state of panic, you know, maybe like a feeling of purpose in some sense in, in your own survival or whatever. It's really just more of the same bullshit of just kind of like seeing people you don't like talking to people like being annoyed by stuff like it's with, all basic like, like life still continues to be more or less the same <laughs> but with like an extra stack of anxiety and mm-hmm. and and annoyance that you try to push down or whatever <laughs> yeah <laughs> that sounds good yeah it's very good the whole show is really worth watching i think pretty much every even, season has been pretty fucking good even the first uh the first season first season is the best season in my opinion Um, but I think every season is really good and they're all so different from each other that I think it just kind of like, it really keeps from getting too stale because it's, it basically is just a different show every season. (laughs) That's so weird. Sounds fun. Yeah. It's excellent. What did you watch this week? Uh, thank you for asking. You're very welcome. I watched, um, Upon the recommendation, the incessant recommendation of Will Meneker, mm. I finally got around to watching The Righteous Gemstones. Ooh. Um, now, The Righteous Gemstones is interesting because I've worked with all of these people before. Did you work um, on... Um, Eastbound and Down. Yeah. Um, and uh, DeVoe, no one will ever give the music director of any show a shout out. So I'm going to give DeVoe Yates a shout out. <laughs> is doing a fantastic job picking the music for this uh this show uh incredible work here um but the righteous gemstones is an hbo show um created by uh almost a danny brown danny mcbride uh, yeah. <laughs> it's not danny brown is not involved uh danny mcbride uh now jody hill created um eastbound and down and uh you know red oaks um and they're involved um i think actually it's only three directors the whole first season is just either david gordon green jody hill or danny mcbride himself direct mm-hmm. um but this one is created by danny mcbride 
and I think has a really different tone than I was expecting this show to have. I never watched Eastbound and Down. So Eastbound and Down has its moments of uh, like reflection or, or, you know, you know, family stuff, but it's mostly very absurdist, not absurdist, I shouldn't say, but like very raunchy, goofy asshole humor, you mm-hmm. know, like Eastbound and Down is a show about uh, a, a guy who was in the MLB and was at like for like one year at the top of his game was like a good pitcher that people were talking about and then just like immediately went downhill okay. and is like sort of this guy who is kind of forced to like he doesn't really have much money anymore but he's like sort of coasting on the uh you know the the minor celebrity doing like car dealership openings and stuff um uh, uh because he was a famous pitcher in the mlb for a while right um so there is like there's moments especially like later in the series of like certain moments of ennui and like uh you know the weird tonal problems with that but it's mostly a very goofy show about a huge asshole and put getting himself into weird situations um this show is about a mega church uh preacher and his family mostly the children actually people have been um, mentioning i haven't seen succession yet but that the family dynamic is very similar to succession because it's three different kids yeah um and they're all sort of vying for control of uh john goodman who is the dad's uh sure uh you know control of the church and i'd say the big i mean the big difference is that john goodman seems to want to pass it on to his kids just he's not ready yet oh so you've seen this show oh yeah yeah i love righteous gemstones oh okay um, uh yeah i wasn't sure if i was explaining it to you or the audience <laughs> no yeah john goodman in in righteous gemstones seems like he wants to pass on the church to his family he's just not ready to to be done yet whereas succession it very clearly is that Logan does not want his kids to, to, <laughs> to take over his company because he thinks they all are pussies and, and can't do it. Right. Uh, you know, it's funny because John Goodman's character, you know, we get the great middle episode intermission in the first season uh, where you find, you know, you see them young or younger where, mm-hmm. uh, you know, b- baby, uh, baby Billy and the Annie Lee are are the team and yeah. and he's sort of the odd man out but you don't really get much of his character in the first season as much as you do the kids um who are uh oh I don't remember any of their names I guess uh, no. Danny McBride and then uh, the guy from Workaholics mm-hmm. or wait he's from Workaholics yeah. right um and then I don't know the woman's name. Don't know, but she's she's the funniest one for me. Ju- I love Judy her. is very. Her character's name is Judy, and she's so funny. Uh, I I feel like the show when it's. I think the least successful is when it goes a little too overboard into like cartoon territory, mm-hmm. and and that happens I think the most with Judy, um, where she becomes like a rageaholic like maniac who like yeah i i I like the i I like the sense of humor on the show when they're just like constantly bickering with each other right um and like it's very funny and um i like the tonal 
balance of it being like a comedy that has like really sort of poignant scenes in it. And I, I loved the middle episode, like I said, the intermission episode, because it's not very funny and you just get to like explore the sort of like history of this family and where they've, they've all sort of come to. Right. Um, and, uh, so, but I think like when she like freaks out and like, <laughs> uh, kills the, her ex-husband's car, like. It's a little overboard for me. Oh, and, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I just was thinking of, because I haven't seen, I mean, I watched the first season when it was, like, coming out, so I haven't seen that stuff in a little while. But I was yeah, just thinking yeah. of, like, are you up to, like, the most recent episode now? Yeah. Like, I was of thinking the, of, of season two. her talking to, to John Goodman when Eric Roberts is is sleeping over in, like, the, the little silk robe, and she's, like, oh, yeah. like berating them for being gay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, she's, I mean, her performance is like, yeah, in, in the normal, like, conversational dialogue stuff, she's so fucking funny. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just they push her a little far in her, like, rage and, like, yeah. b- spoiled brattiness, uh, way more so than um, Kelvin, um, who is the youngest and also clearly gay. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, and that stuff has all been great, the the, the God Squad. Um, yeah, and his uh, and Keith, his uh, his, his goth, goth Satan, lover, like saved Satanist lover. I love him so <laughs> I much. Love I love Keith. like the absurdity of his goth world. I really hope that they get <laughs> they give us some more of that this season. I really love seeing that. I like that because somebody did some research. Mm-hmm. Like it's so over the top, but I've been to that party. Right, like. It, it it wouldn't exist in whatever fucking like South Carolina town they're in. Where are they're in Alabama or something? I, I don't forget. know. I think they're in South Carolina. Um, it would you would never find anything like that in in North Carolina or South Carolina. Maybe you would nowadays. I haven't been there in a long time. But in Brooklyn, that party exists, and I've been there. <laughs> uh, but like even <laughs> even if it exists, like the, down to the level of like him in that weird like black latex suit in the fish tank. <laughs> <laughs> It's a little over the top, but not that over the top. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's uh, especially the, how it's it's sort of like quasi-religious and everyone has this sort of like weird like act they're putting on where they're like, mm-hmm. Ooh, we're spooky, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, yeah. And I, I think uh, it's a weird show because I grew up very fundamentalist christian yeah i was gonna ask you did you go to a mega church no well that that's that's sort of the big difference for me with the show because there's little aspects that i had that i was had proximity to mm-hmm. um the biggest one was how absolutely on the nose correct uh like kelvin's youth group was okay like when they go to the bouncy world or whatever like the trampoline times with that that little girl yeah you know what i'm talking about like all of the tone of like their shirts and like the way he behaves and like that that felt so correct um but i didn't go to a mega church my parents were really anti mega church uh they didn't like that kind of stuff at all mm-hmm. and shied away from anybody who was like even like they were all they were like suspicious of people who even had like buildings that looked like churches you know what i mean <laughs> no uh, <laughs> uh like what did your yeah. church look like 
well, when I was um when when I was growing up in Los Angeles, uh it didn't really look like a church. Like it just looked like a big stone two, you know, three floor building in 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 LA. Mm-hmm. Um and then as I grew up, they built a huge like full-size basketball court add-on to it. Uh-huh. Um but that's because they had like um like outreach for like you know inner city kids and sure. stuff and they had like basketball games there but it wasn't like very fancy it was just like a plain like white brick there was no like there wasn't any like christian branding you know mm-hmm. like there wasn't i don't even know if there was like a, a cross on the building like it just said calvary chapel pasadena um and so that's it was like the very sort of like minimalist not not ostentatious kind of stuff um and then we moved to north carolina my dad tried to start a church himself with uh with a pastor from la what and we would (laughs) and we would uh meet in uh gymnasiums and at for a time a movie theater what Um, (laughs) your dad started a church why because he didn't like any of the southern churches, I guess, and like wanted to have a sort of more uh, West Coast style. Because uh, like a lot of southern churches are sort of steeped in what you see in Righteous Gemstones. It's mm-hmm. very like uh, they call it a prosperity gospel, where it's like God will, if you're good and God loves you, you'll get money. And like you know, my dad was just really allergic to that kind of stuff, and mm. was just like. I don't, this feels very disingenuous and evil to me. Um, and I mean, it is. <laughs> so he was just like, I'm a real Christian. So we're yeah. going to, you know, actually study the Bible and like, you know, be open to people and like not be judgy. Cause like also in the South, you have to like dress up and like right, people right, look right. at you weird if you're a punk and stuff. And like my dad grew up a skater and my mom grew up a goth. Yeah. So like we dressed like punks and, you know, my dad wore shorts a lot. And like, Interesting. <laughs> it was just like, he never really fit in. So we looked around for a couple months and then we tried to start one and then they finally found one of another group of people who were starting a church from from the West Coast and then they sort of melded those churches and that's the church they still go to. Huh. Um, which was like, they met in a they were renting a place in a strip mall. So it like had the feeling of a Starbucks. <laughs> right, right, right. Like it was just like folding chairs in a Starbucks feeling. And then there actually was coffee too. Um, but yeah, so I, I was very, but I I dated people who went to these. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I had to go sometimes, like sometimes they'd be slain in the spirit. and, and So this is something I think about and, a lot with Righteous Gemstones. I really want to go to a mega church sometime. I really want to go to oh, a massive mega church. It's crazy. It seems like it. It seems like it's a whole fucking show with like lighting cues and like, <laughs> you know, like there's yeah. going to be like a show manager. And so I really want to see it go down. They've got cameras going, and there's—I mean, like the music sounds like that too. Like it's yeah. like a fucking Hillsong, you know, big rock band, adult contemporary worship and stuff. Like but I like, love. Where some can of we those find a mega still. church? Like uh, there is one here. What uh, in New York? In New York? No I kidding. Believe. Uh, I don't know where they meet, but I think maybe at one of the stadiums or something. I 
I don't remember. What? <laughs> I, I was reading about it. There is one, like a Hillsong branch off that, like. They, like, do the Barclays Center or some shit? Yeah, it's something like that. I don't think it's either Madison Square Garden or... or well, there's a or small room Barclays. at Madison Square Garden that would make sense. It might be. I- I'll look it up. But uh, after COVID or whatever, we should go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just be like, yeah, we're we're real, in, you know, we're real into God and <laughs> just trying I to... love just trying Jesus. To, I'm trying to bask in the light, man. I'm just trying to get my... <laughs> brother. Kind of, kind of get my walk right you know <laughs> i could probably still talk the talk uh, <laughs> it'd be hard you know um, there's that part of the sand <laughs> <laughs> you know that sand part the sand where there's, part you know less footsteps <laughs> yeah i'm all about that there was only there was only one set of footsteps and and then like a a dragging sort of a, a, a line from where Jesus's dick unfurled. <laughs> it's a big part of it, right? Yeah. yeah, it's just a big long, a big long, and then there's like two on each side, like a sidewinder. <laughs> yeah, we're all about that. We're all about it. Anyway, Righteous Gemstones is a really sweet and interesting show. Yeah, um, I really enjoy it. It's great, and if you haven't given it a chance because you think it's going to be uh, Eastbound and Down, it's not. It's it's really weirdly like genuine and has moments of of like real uh, like relationship, family relationship moments um, mm-hmm. that really work. And I think I think that's uh, Dan- Danny McBride creating it. I think he. He's talked about in interviews that he kind of wants to just make it forever. Like he's like to me, like the gemstones is going to be like the thornbirds. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like twenty seasons, and you're just going to find like every generation of this family and like watch them grow, and you go back in time and like yeah. to like the 1900s and stuff. Like he wants to be this big sprawling thing, which that I think rules. is really interesting. Um, and I think so far the first season is like a little too comedic for me to take that too seriously. But I think the way they're going back into John Goodman's past in the second season, like you can really imagine a whole show, like jumping around like the Godfather part two. Yeah. Um, and, and it being really entertaining and good. So I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah. I'm very interested to see where this is going. Eric Roberts is so fucking talented. I can't believe crazy, he's not like a he's bigger a, actor. Well, no, but he is. He's like the biggest actor in in Serbia. <laughs> <laughs> he's weirdly popular there, but he's also like uh, he's just in everything because he'll do yeah. anything for a paycheck. And he, so does, he like, like he works like a motherfucker. But I mean, like I can't believe he's not like a star. I can't believe he's not like a leading man. Yeah, it's really weird. But he's so good in this second season as what is his name, Junior? Mm. Um, something like that. And, yeah, and he uh, he's. It's funny because I've only really can only think of him as the talking cat, right? Um, and like Mega Boa and like all the stupid shit he's in. Uh, Maroni. He's, like, he's really given it like chops, you know. He's really like acting, and yeah. it's it's great to see him do that. It's also great to see John Goodman. I feel like I hadn't seen him in a long time. Yeah, uh, he had a know, brief and- period where it felt like he got oversaturated, and I was like kind of tired mm-hmm. of him a little bit. But it's very nice to see him back. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I can't remember anybody giving him, like, this much stuff to do in a long time. 
uh, like this much of a character to sink his teeth in. Yeah, um, I was going to say he was a very big like bit part guy who you would just kind of like you'd throw in so that you'd have like like you'd get some cachet over having him in a bit part in your thing. Yeah, yeah, he was kind of doing a Christopher Walken thing for a while. Which, damn, now I'm thinking about it. I'd love to see a show with Christopher Walken in it. Yeah. What's he up to? <laughs> he, he should get a he should get a nice, like, meaty, juicy part. Um, yeah, not do the voice. <laughs> it's his voice. It's not his voice. <laughs> no? No, you've never heard he him talk like about it? He has, like, a New York accent. Like, he talks So like he this. does talk like that, but, like, the pauses and, like, the weird, like, stuttered phrasing oh, you know, and stuff, That's yeah. he puts that on. He does put that on. I mean, you can watch, you can watch like shit from when he was young and he wasn't doing that like yeah. it's not like how i always talked um but yeah i'd love to see him Same i'd with, love to um, see him Gilbert in this Godfrey. show <laughs> oh really i've never heard you godfrey talk normal yeah he puts that voice on that's so weird that's so weird i, I fucking met him at a, a party once it was weird he just talks normal just he a, just talks normal he's just a regular jewish guy yeah that's crazy. I was just watching a, a Norm where they're talking about the the man great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you remember that on the Norm podcast where they had like a sponsor that was the man great, <laughs> and it was just like a thicker grate you put on your grill. <laughs> 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 oh man! Anyway, uh, let's talk about what we actually watched. Speaking of comedy legends, yes. Um, this week we watched. The Blues Brothers, uh, starring and created and written by Dan Aykroyd, um, and also John Belushi. Yes, one of the greats, John Belushi. Uh, well, he's remembered as one of the greats. I honestly don't really remember him for anything because I uh, wasn't alive. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I mean, watching this, I, uh, I kind of think that he is okay. I think Dan Aykroyd steals the show. <laughs> Dan Aykroyd is amazing in this movie. Well, we'll get there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so so uh, this movie is directed by John Landis, um, who was only really famous at the time for directing, um, I believe, Animal House and mm-hmm. Kentucky Fried Movie. Uh, this, was, this is his fourth movie after, because there was also a really shitty horror movie he did called Schlock. Um, but this is like, the very beginning of these people's careers. Yeah. Um, the Blues Brothers were an SNL sketch, which I'm going to be honest, I've never even seen a sketch of it. It's but, so, okay. So let's just put cards on the table right now. I've never seen this movie before. This is the first time I saw it. <gasps> okay. Me neither. Um, it's one of those movies I, that I like, everybody, I I've never seen Animal were... House. I've never seen like a lot of these classic comedies of this no, era. No, me neither. I've never seen Animal House. I've never seen Kentucky Fried Movie, and I've never. I think I've never seen all of Caddyshack. Uh, I've seen Caddyshack, and I don't really think it's very good. Um, but I was assuming, watching this movie, that this was an old love of yours. That you know, you'd seen this movie a bunch of times. Nope, never seen wow. it before. It's so um, you just put it on here to. As it's an it's one to that I meant it. to see forever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my old roommate had like this beautiful, uh, like poster not like a poster but like a print like a really nice print of like the i guess the original uh movie poster of this was like this cool like it's like an illustration of the two of them with like the whole cast of it like with all the musical guests and whatever like listed all in blue it's really cool poster anyway the point is like i always have meant to watch this because it's it seems really 
cool and fun and whatever, but I never really watch it. I've seen what they did. Uh, I actually saw Blues Brothers 2000 when I was a kid, which is a later, dumber iteration remember, of this. I remember wanting to watch it. What is What happens in there? Don't remember. Couldn't possibly tell you. <laughs> I just remember that there's a kid. There's also a kid. Yeah, it seems imp- impossible to make a sequel of this movie. No. Why would you ever do such a thing? Why would you bother? Uh but I've seen the sketches or the quote unquote sketches. This is what made me want to bring this up right away is because like what's fascinating about this movie is that the Blues Brothers isn't really a sketch. It's not really anything. It's just okay. an outfit. Because <laughs> like what what it is what is that happens? I guess like Dan Aykroyd at the time, like him and Belushi were on SNL and they had this like blues club that I want to say Dan Aykroyd was like a part owner of or something like that. Uh, Cause Dan oh, like Aykroyd a, was like, like a, a lifelong blues fan. Uh, John Belushi was a punk. John Belushi was into like punk and hardcore. Yeah. That uh, makes he was sense. like really steeped in like the eighties hardcore scene, but he was also like a dancer and singer from his youth. And I guess they would like hang out at this blues bar and they would like do they would just like go, get up and sing with the band every so often because they were drunk and having fun. And then they were like, what if we did this on the show? And everybody was like, do what? And they're like, I don't know, <laughs> like sing. <laughs> and so oh, they do this know. bit that's the Blues Brothers. And there isn't like, there isn't like a sketch around it. There's no like story that comes with it. I don't even know if they're named on the show um okay but they do these bits where it's like they do this big long introduction of them ladies and gentlemen like the the magnificent the fantastic the the famous uh blues brothers and they come out and they do the the bit where like um dan Aykroyd has a suitcase that's like uh handcuffed to his wrist and then he like they have to open it do the whole like combination and like open it up and it's just a harmonica in there <laughs> Uh, and okay. then they play Soul Man, and like that's the whole bit. Like that's it. There's no. So they would like, just like do the the like music musical guest part of it. I guess I don't know. I've would never seen a like, full episode that the Blues Brothers were in. So I, I so don't understand because they also have albums. Mm-hmm. Like they have real records, yes. right? And it's, like, the, so this is the thing: is it's just their band. It's just like the music that they did. So it's really John Bel- or Joe. It's John Belushi, right? Mm-hmm. It's really John Belushi singing? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. And, and I believe Dan Aykroyd really plays the harmonica. Yeah. Um, and then Paul Schaefer does some of the music on on the album. Yeah, I guess it's just like an excuse for them to like jam with people they like. Mm-hmm. Um, that's exactly that's what it what is. That's what the movie is, And that's too. what the movie is. And that's what's so <laughs> cool and fascinating about it is that this is all just like the most transparent thing to just be like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Like, <laughs> we just want to hang out with legendary musicians, play the music that we love, and crash a bunch of cars. <laughs> yeah, so really quickly, if you've never seen this movie, the, the plot of this movie is almost nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, what it is is... There's two brothers, they're in the Blues Brothers. They're not real brothers for some reason. That doesn't matter. But they grew up in an orphanage. Uh, Jake and Elwood. Uh, Jake is John Belushi, and he's just getting out of prison. He uh, comes out of prison after something like 10 years. Uh, they go immediately to the orphanage to meet with the penguin, which is what they call the, the, the leader of the orphanage. And they, um, she's like a nun. Yeah. And she gets mad at them for swearing. 
and they need $5,000 or the orphanage is going to close. Um, so the rest of the movie is just them trying to figure out how to get $5,000. Yeah. And their idea is to get the band back together. Um, the band, the blues brothers, um, and then play a bunch of shows until they have enough to give to the orphanage. Um, that's it. They get that's in a lot of trouble. It, yeah. They get in a lot of trouble a couple times for being insane cartoon characters <laughs> where they just like blow shit up, uh, um, assault people. Yeah. Uh, the rest of the runtime I would say is padded primarily by the most insane car chases that you've ever seen on film <laughs> right there isn't I, I was you know i'd heard a lot about that but it's really relegated to mostly the ending yes right like there's one there's two good ones kind of like throughout where like there's the one where like uh dan Aykroyd's license is expired and they do like a quick chase through the mall uh that's oh, pretty yeah, fun the opening has the mall one which is like just how how much money did they have? I know. They destroy a whole mall. Like, it's just, they're just crashing actual cars into a real mall. And it's this, this is 1980. Yeah. So it's like, it's not like malls were going away. Yeah. Like, it's not like, oh, we found an old <laughs> shitty mall that we have or, to demolish. Or is it like really good sets? I don't know. It doesn't look like it. No, it looks like a fucking mall. <laughs> it looks like they have, and this movie, I, okay, so that's the story of the movie. They do they 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 get all the money. They give it to Steven Spielberg at the end, and then they get uh, I guess arrested, <laughs> and then they go to prison and they play shows in prison. Yeah, uh, that's how it ends, right? Mm-hmm. They they're in prison. Um, also, Carrie Fisher is in it, trying to kill uh, Jake for some reason. For no for, reason, like, <laughs> as a as a jilted lover or something. Yeah, uh, but like with bazookas and like C four and shit. It's ridiculous. Um, and that is all that happens. Uh, and then there's fucking musical bits. Like mm-hmm. it's a musical. I I didn't realize that either. Like it's a. It, but the music only starts like numbers. halfway through. Yeah, they don't start. It, it's not. It's not like. It's not like Rent, where it's like, we're the Blues Brothers, here's the intro to the show. Yeah, it's I just like, got out of prison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's not like that. They they are normal until they get their like their band members together, and then they sort of jam with each of the band members. And I, I thought them that they were very enjoyable. Oh, of course, yeah. The music is incredible. The music rocks. It's and, like, it really is like, it, it's w- those moments that you really see what the true purpose of this movie is, right? Is because right. it's like, just a beautiful, wonderful recording of like Cab Calloway just doing fucking <laughs> Minnie the Moocher for no reason. <laughs> and they're like, why not? We'll put him in like an awesome costume. We'll get the stage all set up for him and everything. Like it's Golden Age yep. Cab Calloway. Incredible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. And, and, uh, you know, Ray Charles shows up. Uh-huh. Fucking, the fucking when they go into the church for the first time and James Brown is just there, I was like, what is this movie? <laughs> what the fuck? Why do they just have James Brown and like some of the most amazing choreography and like practical effects? Uh, I, Oh, I wanted to start. I mean, we're halfway through this review, but I wanted to start it off by saying this movie looks way better than it should. Yes. Like immediately I was like, this looks better than most this this movie looks and is framed better than every christopher nolan movie Mm -hmm. like it (laughs) it looks gorgeous it's not just because of the 
it's not just because of the great quality of the film stock and that it's from the late 70s. It's also just like beautifully photographed. Yeah, they really like, give a shit. When they go, to, yeah, they give a shit. It's not just a dumb comedy about hanging out with your friends and, you know, playing music. It is, but, but it, it is. also And that's looks the thing is sick. it looks great because of that. It's yeah. because this whole thing is a vehicle for like for for surre- like it, it's to get eyes on Cab Calloway. It's to get eyes on Ray Charles to just be like, we love this music. We worship this music. We want to show you All of this stuff is so in cool. service of this. So it's like it looks beautiful so that it honors the music, you know, like yeah. you surround it with all these crazy car chases to get people's attention. So they watch the music. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's seems so obvious uh, that you would give a shit and make your shit look interesting. Uh, but like when I was just really blown away when I, cause I, cause I put this on being like, I bet this isn't going to hold up. Mm-hmm. Like, I rarely hear people nowadays talking about how good Blues Brothers is. You know, it's not like a... I really had no idea what I was getting myself into, but I I came in with pretty low expectations because I assumed it was a shitty comedy from the 80s that no one cares about anymore. Um, But it isn't. It's barely a comedy. (laughs) Yeah, it's not very Uh, funny at all, (laughs) in fact. No. Uh, but it, but that's not because it's trying to be funny and failing. It's because it's not really about that. Um, when what really sort of made me feel like I was getting myself into something I wasn't prepared for was the very opening sequence of of leading Jake out of the prison, mm-hmm. and uh, it just looks so good. Like the fucking sunset is happening, or the sunrise is happening. Like as he like comes out of the gates, and like it's just so much production value is happening on the screen as this happens also it is pretty funny when he gets his stuff back he's like this shitty suit and like a used condom and stuff oh yeah Uh, yeah yeah. the the, because it's the condom uh unopened and then condom soiled (laughs) (laughs) prophylactic unopened prophylactic soiled uh who is that actor he's somebody there's all these fun cameos too um and I forget who that is. Uh, but, um, yeah, oh, there's a... So so it just looks great. And and basically continues to look... There's some uh, dodgy parts, I think, where they either didn't really know how to light for, for darkness, mm-hmm. I think is a, a big part of it. Like the mall scene doesn't look fantastic, except it doesn't really matter because so much is happening. But like, especially when they're in the woods, and the the country band is chasing them. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That part looks a little too dark, and like, I don't know. There's, it's not very stylized. It's just sort of whatever. Um, but besides a couple parts, like every musical sequence is amazing looking. Like yes. the 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 church part where Jake gets hit by the light of the Lord, <laughs> and is like. Oh, we have to get the band back together. Yeah, and uh, and then it becomes like a running gag that he's just saying we're on a mission from God to everybody, and no one cares. No one cares. Uh, <laughs> no one reacts to it. Like he doesn't even seem like it's like he's not trying to sell it or anything. He's just no. very frankly saying we're on a mission from God. We're on a mission from God, uh, and he cle- seems to clearly believe that. Uh, yeah, they're not characters. You know, they're not like. 
people really mm-hmm. they're <laughs> they're just like weird avatars to get you from scene to scene but the church looks amazing the uh i mean the mall sequence is pretty crazy i mean i've never been one to be super impressed by a car chase but uh it, it's fu- it's fun mm-hmm. you know when that happens uh but i was really way more impressed by the the music stuff like when yeah. they go to ray charles's music store yeah he plays and then a little like, piano for them and I yeah. love the Aretha Franklin diner scene so much. Oh my god! I was like, "Who?" It was so funny because I was like, "Who is this? This woman is so talented." Oh yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, it's fucking Aretha Franklin." Yeah, only, she looks like only she... the greatest singer of all time, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but she looks like she's like twenty years old. I know she looks so young. I don't know how that's possible, but she looks exactly like she did in like sixty-five. Yeah. Um. And she, yeah. her song is incredible. The sequence is really fun with them just kind of like begrudgingly getting up to join the dance. Yeah. Is very fun. <laughs> and they're just like doing their little dance. Uh, and then the, 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 the fry cook coming in to be the saxophonist. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, and he's also a part of the band, I guess. Uh, um, I wish they had Aretha Franklin be in the band. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> she, I wanted to see a whole movie about that character <laughs> just a lady who makes really good fried chicken and sings really well yeah uh but yeah all of that stuff was so good um i, I don't know that's the whole movie yeah, right like it's, it's it's just like it's so long mm-hmm. and it feels a little too long i think I guess let's start up talking about stuff we didn't like. Um, yeah, you're right. It is too long, probably. Um, it's uh, over two hours. It's two hours and 13 minutes. Yeah, it takes too long to start getting the band back together is really the problem. Yeah, I, I mean, like, while the, the the sequence at the orphanage looks awesome, like those weird, like, straight up from the bottom of the Yeah, from the stairs, stairs yeah. shots. I mean, I, I, I really have appreciation for a lot of this movie because of just how lovingly it's created. But, like, you don't need so much of it. Um, yeah. You really don't need any Carrie Fisher in it. Like, she's just an excuse to have some explosions, which mm-hmm. are cartoonish and silly and aren't very funny to me. Like, when and you do get a very good up. gag out of it at the end when... She finally catches up to them, and she's like, you left me at the altar, and blah, 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 blah. And he's like, baby, I love you. I'll never leave you again. And then they like get on the other side where he just like drops her and leaves. Yeah, well, the one thing that I was kind of confused about and I didn't like about, I think I, I, think I, I, think I can say I didn't like it, was that I don't know if I'm supposed to like these people. Mm-hmm. Like, because it seems like, I, I know it doesn't matter, like but at the same time it's like they're supposed to be fun loving guys who like take very seriously music and you know care about you want you're sort of wanting them to succeed for charity but like they're like nearly killing people most of the time yeah yeah yeah. uh and then just like being assholes and and, like jake went to jail for like robbing a convenience store Yeah, I don't really get what their whole deal is. I I feel like in a lot of ways the Blues Brothers themselves are kind of the weakest part of the movie because mm-hmm. you don't really care about what they do. 
um, you just want to see more fun. You know, obviously you're not siding with the cops. Um, and it's a smart choice to make the entire uh, Chicago PD be the villains of yeah. the movie. Uh, but on the other hand, they're clearly being assholes to everyone. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know why that's the choice. Uh, I guess it's, is it supposed to be funny? I don't know. I don't, I don't really know. I think it's just, it's all in service of like, it's all in service of the music and it's all in service of getting us to that final chase sequence. That is, I really can't say this enough. If you haven't seen this movie, the final chase sequence is worth the the cost of admission alone. Like, absolutely, it is it's so, so insane, insane <laughs> how many cop cars they had. I what I really want to see is a making of. I would love to see yes. a making of the Blues Brothers because I I have to know how did they get so many cop cars to crash? How did they have access to all of this shit? <laughs> It it doesn't make any sense because and, and, the movie. And my wife only is from costs... Chicago, and she's like pointing out like real places that they're driving through. Like they they drive <laughs> through the lobby of that one office building. She's like, that looks like it's really that building. <laughs> yeah, for 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 uh, scale here, Star Wars made three years before this movie cost eleven million dollars. Mm-hmm. This movie cost 27 million dollars so quite a bit more i don't know how on earth they got this much money (laughs) i know that animal house was a really big hit oh yeah i wonder from what i understand this is a fucking pretty big hit too oh no it it was it was a huge hit because they made like 160 million dollars i think it was like record breaking at the time but i think the thing was is that animal house cost three million and made 141. Oh yeah, so that so, th- this was a smart investment for them. I think they were just like John Landis can't do anything wrong and that was the year after Star Wars and so they were just like I guess <laughs> if you want there was a bidding war apparently within the within the, within the industry mm-hmm. that Universal and and Paramount were just like trying to give him more and more money. And uh, Universal was like, I can't go any higher than 12. And he's like, we want 20. Dude, <laughs> that Paramount rules. Was- That's so funny then to be <laughs> like, you had this huge hit with Animal House and then to be like, hey, you know what? I'm going to spend all this money crashing cop cars. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's amazing. Like the fact that th- this was some sort of like, like watching this movie and just realizing that this was where culture was, where this complete nonsense movie that was just like, hey, let's take the the privilege and platform we have and just feature every good black artist. And like, that's just like printing money. Like, yeah. I, <laughs> it's like, what was going on? Like, how did this happen? Uh, and why can't this happen anymore? Yeah. Uh, it was, it's kind of a shame because it's like, I don't know. This movie isn't something that I was like, wow, I'm in love with it. I'm going to watch it all the time. But like, I'll definitely watch parts of it again. Oh, for sure. I will pull up like the musical numbers for sure. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, cause I, 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 like I, it's weird because as a movie, I don't know if I I even think it's very good, Mm. but I loved it. Yeah. (laughs) 
I don't know. Did you did you feel like it was a an all the way enjoyable thing? I don't know. I I agree with you that it definitely drags in in certain parts. I think like I said before, like we could have gotten the band together sooner and gotten to the musical numbers sooner. I think like the one thing that I came away from this was thinking so much about is like just how much sauce Dan Aykroyd had back then. I mean, he's I've never thought of Dan Aykroyd as like a charming. I mean, I know he's good in Ghostbusters. Like, yeah, sure, he's, he's good in he's Ghostbusters. A, he's he good in movies. Like a, he's very funny. I love him and everything. But like, he's hot in this movie. <laughs> I know that's what I. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like he's, but he's like a weird. Like he's not very good at being a blues brother. Like he doesn't <laughs> seem cool. You know, like John Belushi has this sort of like punk coolness to him. Yeah. Also, I'll never forgive this movie for basically creating the ska guy. Uh-huh. <laughs> Like, I mean, I know two-tone was, like, a thing already by this point, but, like, this is, like, a fat, schlubby white guy in that suit. It's, like, mm-hmm. that's this movie. Like, every ska guy is referencing this movie. Um, so that's a point against it as far as I'm concerned. But, like, he has this sort of, like, energy of, like, the sweetest, nicest, coolest, funniest guy at the at the show. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, which I never really picked up on, but... I feel like that's his reputation. Like he's a notoriously sweet dude, right? But now he's his reputation is that he's like a weird alien kook. <laughs> he's like he's that's like cool. He's like obsessed with like <laughs> Mayan crystal skulls and shit. <laughs> I mean, what else are you gonna do? <laughs> I guess, yeah. I was joking around about how he's like he's like that generation's Tom DeLong, where he was like this like oh, yeah. hot, charming pop culture figure in his youth, and then he like <laughs> used that platform to be like, actually, I'm all about aliens, I'm ancient all, ones, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> and we have to know everything about. It. Not enough money is being thrown at this problem. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's really good in this movie. I mean, he's really he's- good in this. I kept joking that like in the dance sequences with the Blues Brothers, the two of them are like two different types of cartoon frog. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a little squat short one. And yeah, the he's really like a little long. fat frog who's like got short little limbs, and then like Dan Aykroyd just has frog proportions with like his like long skinny limbs and like yeah. round body. <laughs> little body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and and they're, I mean, they're clearly, like, good at, uh, the music stuff, mm-hmm. so that works, um, but otherwise, you know, their, their whole thing is just, like, being sort of, I don't know, just sort of avatars for, for this story. Uh, yeah, I think Vessel then, is the perfect word for it, right, is that they're kind of just, like, these weird suit characters who, like are kind of moving the they they are the MacGuffin of the movie I guess right like they are the <laughs> they are the the suitcase they're like the the droids they're the ones who are like yeah, they're yeah, moving they're it the along but they're not C-3PO important at all <laughs> <laughs> yeah no one cares but they but the problem is I, I, again it's like there's no real problem because the movie functions mm-hmm. somehow but like against all odds like there's no story there's no characters but it doesn't really get that boring for being over two hours long. 
And if like, anything, it's like it's it's kind of impressive that they were able to make this much out of it, considering that it's not a sketch. These aren't characters that existed already. Like this isn't like this is based on a bit where they dress up in suits and play a song. <laughs> like considering that that's what this had to go on, it's like you know what you got a yeah. lot out of it. <laughs> and I de- but I definitely understand how it became a cultural sensation. But what what's surprising to me is that it's. L- it's ne- I never really associated it with like a punk ethos, mm-hmm. but it is like this is an incredibly punk movie. Yeah, for sure. Like, this is a very like underground, weird. Like I feel like this movie should have the reputation of like Repo Man or mm. like U or like UHF. You know, like I think it sort of does. I think for a certain type of person, it does. Okay. Like I think Maybe my I'm old roommate. That, that's kind of what it was either. for him. Because mm-hmm. it is, it kind of rocks. It's just like this weird flash in the pan, like <laughs> weird unicorn of a movie where it's just like these dudes who were really passionate about something got to have a, an absurd amount of money to show you why they cared about it. And it like, they they succeed. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why they love car crashes so much. Maybe that's a John Landis thing. <laughs> Who knows? John Landis must have been like, let's all also wreck every car. And they're like, Whatever okay. it is, I'm glad they liked it. Because <laughs> it is so impressive. It's so insane. And then Spielberg shows up at the end of this movie as a as an accountant. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that's very funny too. I like all the I like all the the cameos. Um and I liked watching them smash up all the cars. And the, uh, uh, it's so good. I don't good know. Movie. I, I was really impressed for 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 a movie that I've heard so much about and have always seen. I mean, I remember very specifically like Blues Brothers 2000 coming out and being like, "Well, I guess I better see the first one," and yeah. then never watching it. You know, like having this this be this thing that that existed in the world and never watching it. I was came in with low expectations and they were easily met and surpassed. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I'd recommend it. I'd recommend it. Like if go in not expecting any sort of comedy or really a movie, just sort of like a long music video, and you'll be very, very impressed, I think. All right, well, that's been the episode. That's it, folks. Thanks for listening to uh, Generation Loss. If you'd like to hear more of our show, you can go to patreon.com slash generation loss, and there you will get bonus episodes uh, weekly, we do the bonus episodes on, on every one we've ever done. Um, there's a bunch now at this point. Um, probably something like over a hundred, I think. Um, but most recently, we've done uh, Jackass. Uh, we just did for this past episode. We usually don't review movies, but for this week, for special reasons that you would know if you were a patron. If you were a patron, uh, if you paid us. Yeah, you would know. <laughs> So uh, we did Jackass, the original Jackass from 2002. And then the week before that, or the last one we did was uh, Sopranos. We are going through Sopranos, the show, season by season. And it depends on you becoming a patron to uh, to unlock, to make us watch it and, and record those episodes. So uh, please go there. And then uh, besides that, you will get uh, ask, access to the Discord where we, uh, we watch the movies. We watch the movies that we're going to talk about on Monday. Uh, And that's a fun little thing. So 
all that and more the world awaits you at patreon.com generation loss otherwise <laughs> follow us on twitter at gen loss pod and follow us individually from there and uh, we'll see you next time see you next time bye hey folks here's a story about minnie the moocha she was a low down huge coocha she was the roughest, toughest frail, but Minnie had a heart as big as a whale.